This is Daniel Figel, and you're listening to the AI in Business podcast, where non-technical professionals stay ahead of the AI curve. If you do not want to learn to write Python, but you do want to identify high ROI projects and help to steer an AI strategy, you found yourself in the right place. In this episode, we're going to be talking about computer vision. Often when people think about computer vision, they imagine what a human being's eyeballs would look at, and they say, okay, what could we use for AI to look at the same things a human would look for? Maybe we're looking for someone moving in surveillance footage. In today's case, we're looking at manufacturing. So maybe we want to examine possible uh, defects in some manufactured product the same way a human being would. Well, as it turns out, machines can look at things in ways that human beings can't. I'm talking about infrared and other kinds of cameras that do not model the human eye, but might be able to pick up on things the human eye cannot. In addition, we talk about machine listening. That is to say, how can we use audio data to determine what might be going wrong in the manufacturing process? And again, this goes beyond what the human ear can listen to. This episode gives us a lot of different jumping off points into where computer vision and audio might make the difference, including going beyond how humans are currently diagnosing our machines. Our guest this week for this in-depth and interesting topic is none other than Remy Duquette. Remy has been with us in the past. Remy leads artificial intelligence at Maya HTT. Maya is an AI services firm. And Remy has previously joined us on episodes about improving throughput and improving quality with AI in manufacturing. Today, we are focusing on the tools of the job, vision and listening, and be able to go beyond the human senses to be able to drive results in predictive maintenance and improving quality in the manufacturing process. This episode is brought to you by Maya HTT. To learn more about reaching Emerge's global audience, for your AI products or services, stay tuned to the end of this episode. But without further ado, let's fly in. It's always fun to talk to Remy. This episode is no exception. This is Mr. Remy Duquette of Maya HTT on the AI in Business podcast. So, Remy, welcome back to the program. Thank you, Dan. Always great to uh, have a good chat with you. You bet, brother. From across the border down here, uh, one, of, one of my favorite Canadian AI folks to be able to riff with. And today we're talking about a fun topic. We're going to make our way all the way to sensor fusion. But the ideas on the table are computer vision and uh, machine listening. I wonder if we could define those first for the folks at home before we get started with the rest of our questions. Absolutely. I mean, uh, partly folks remember, uh, you know, I, I spoke a lot about uh, real-time telemetry in the past in an industrial environment. So when we move to machine vision, you have to see it really the way it is. So machine vision can come from you know, basic 2D cameras that produce images on a stream basis. So you get a bunch of images that stream along. Or you can go to a little bit more fancy machine vision, which would incorporate the depth in the camera. So that's called a stereographic camera, a 3D type of, of camera where you add the depth to the pixel. And then separately, you have thermal imaging camera, right? So if you put a thermal uh, filter in there with a nice uh, little sensor, you can get the temperature distribution of what you're looking at. So these are really visual inputs. So you can see them as, v we call them, you know, video as a sensor in this context. And then separately, if you look at audio, well, it's it's really what it is. It's, it's sounds that we leverage to learn specific, maybe machine misbehavior or equipment starting to, to fail or squealing wheel or, or things that are audible, right? Whether it's a, a low or very high frequency, of course, machine audio has a little bit more bandwidth than a human being, but in general, it's, it's what we're talking about. Like machine vision, visually see things either in 2D, 3D, or adding some thermal or thermography filters to them, 
or in the audio sense, just the the, the audio components of of a vibration or other things that that we can hear about. Got it. And we're going to talk about these in the real world, but this is useful to clarify. You know, you mentioned on the vision side, there's a number of different aspects here. I think sometimes people think computer vision, they think, oh, so sort of like a camera and the machine can look at what's in the camera, but it, it's not necessarily just a camera as humans would like to see it. Like you said, thermal can be part of the mix. 3D can be part of the mix. And there's a lot more breadth there. When it comes to audio, is there anything like that kind of variety in audio? In other words, are there are there different types of vibrations we're tuning into, or is audio kind of the same, or or is there also variety there? Well, there there is uh, definitely uh, some level of variety there because when you look at from a, a, a human based uh, basic perspective, we look at or we we listen to a, a time series of, of fluctuations in pressure that hits our, our eardrum and, and then we make a sound out of it. If you, if you think of it that way from a machine listening perspective, yeah, you have that time series of those fluctuations, but you can also, with some mathematics, do some vibration analysis. So a vibration transfer, the time series into a vibration content over time. And that's really where you can add a little bit more knowledge to the time series where you can isolate some specific frequencies of sounds that are happening, whether it's a, a, a very loud, you know, kind of a, an instrument, a metallic instrument falling on, on a hard surface, you, you'd hear like a very huge ping kind of thing that you can isolate and say, okay, an instrument drop on the floor or on a hard table or something. So, so these are interesting variations of audio that machine can, yeah, can leverage to, uh, for all sorts of interesting purposes. Curious. And so we'll, let's talk a little bit about computer vision in the real world. We'll give people kind of like a meaningful example, and then we're going to do the same thing with the audio side of things. But, you know, what's interesting about this is that some of this is not what the human would be looking at with the naked eye. So I think people think about computer vision in manufacturing, and they might say, oh, we want to be able to see if a part is falling off, or we want to be able to see if there's a crack. But sometimes we want to be able to see, quote unquote, Heat, as you mentioned, you know, thermal imagery. Walk us through maybe what you think is a good representative example of computer vision in sort of a heavy industry context. Well, certainly. I mean, the easiest perhaps to understand is, is a safety security kind of uh, example where human beings that walk through a video scene, even from a 2D camera uh, standpoint, you could uh, overlay or learn uh, to follow the uh, the human pose, uh, the, the body of the human, and as kind of you see it as a stick model moving around. You've probably seen on, on many videos how, how that works. And so you could overlay that. And with the field of view that you're looking at, you know if there is a zone in that field of view that is a zone where people could get hurt, right? And or if a, a little uh, truck comes in and, and starts backing up for whatever reason when it shouldn't, then you, you could already see how you could light up some red lights around in on those paths to alert people that something is going awry and people need to, to take action because they could get hurt. So that's kind of an interesting idea of, of looking at a field of view using AI as a simple pause model, pause model uh, to track the human being in that scene and then making sure that they are not in areas where they could get hurt. So that, that's one use case. The other use case would be uh, if you look at thermal imaging camera and, and how you could learn how something 
heats up all of a sudden. So it could be a very electrical, like a small electrical fault in a piece of equipment that is heating up a, the side of a panel. Of course, you're not seeing that, you know, inside the machine, there's some electrical failure is happening and it's heating up that corner of the panel. And if you were to touch it with your human hand, you, you would probably burn yourself. So, so having that kind of camera that will kind of depict those and send safety uh, notifications to shop floor workers can become a very interesting uh, safety and security use case that, that we've seen happen. Got it. Okay, cool. So a little bit of a panoply of examples for people to imagine. I think that overlaid stick figure is actually, it's even kind of its own category there to think about all the places where safety-wise that might be able to be applicable. And I guess then we can talk a little bit about the machine listening side of things. I mean, what immediately comes to mind from past conversations with you, Remy, on and off the microphone, and just knowing a little bit about this space is that Maybe we as a as a company were looking to detect failures or how a machine is running, and we know that there's a certain pattern of vibration or there's a certain sound that might happen, like you said, the clinking of something metal or the dropping of a heavy object or something, that we just really want to be able to know if anything like that happens within a certain environment. Are those the kind of ex- examples that that we could use to to make this tangible for the audience? Absolutely. I mean, the asset helps example or, you know, uh, kind of condition based or preventive maintenance you're, you're alluding to is, is really where these audio signal, even before you get to vibration, once you get to vibration of a machine, a pretty good indication that the heart failure is about to happen at that time. So it's, it's a bit too late <laughs> for many, in many cases. Huh. But way before then, right, the, the audio pressure and the sound coming out. And that's why, you know, if you, if you ask old, old, older uh, folks, you know, that have walked the shop floors before, they will say, oh, yeah, yeah, this machine is, there's something wrong with this machine. I can hear it, right? And, you know, you're there walking with them. You're like, I have no idea what that person is listening to. But, yeah, okay, it's, maybe something is actually happening. And then when you look at the, the trace of, of you know, the, the sound coming out of these machines, you can see there's a shift, a very slow but audible shift in the vib- well, not the vibration, but the, the the sound pressures and the frequencies that are shifting over time. Yeah, and it's very it's very subtle, but you know, to the human eye that's trained on these machines, hearing them day in day out, it, you, you can definitely see the difference over over a couple of days. And those are very early signs. That's the beauty of it. It's typically very early signs of uh, failure, onset of failures. So, so you can catch them and, and forecast a failure a lot better if you follow those audio sound signals from, from these machines. And even if you're in a very noisy environment, you can actually abstract the noise, uh, the, the white noise around that machine and and train the model to really depict that those shifts in frequencies over time and, and alerts of, of these asset help failure or onset of asset conditions. And the audio is sort of interesting, you know, in, in the computer vision side of things, there's a number of things that you can do with cameras that you on some level couldn't really do just with your eyes as a human being. You know, the, the thermal imaging, for example, you can't find somebody on the shop floor who has you know, Superman eyes, and they can detect the heat of things just by looking at them. So you have to kind of think about, oh, where might we want to use thermal imaging, even if that's not how humans diagnose it. You did just bring up the same thing about audio with a human being on the shop floor. The human being picks up on some very small, subtle change in the, you know, vibration or sound coming from a machine. And so we then, we then sort of use their, their intuition to, to listen in 
are there times where kind of like with thermal imaging, maybe the human can't even hear the thing and we're just going to use AI to detect it because it's so subtle, humans can't even pick it up? Yeah, I mean, the, the thermal imaging camera is, is really where it, it definitely augments that, that human cap- capability because we can't see <laughs> any infrared signal. But it, it definitely is an example of where we would, in those cases, put thermal imaging camera in locations where we know there's potential for something to heat up when it's not necessarily supposed to and where those areas could become a safety security issue or even just change the productivity or efficiency of the line. If you're going too fast, for instance, and the motor are heating up a bit too much, right? You may want to dial down a tiny bit to safeguard the longevity of, of your motors in, in some cases. So, you know, th- there's some adjustments there of, of process efficiency uh, versus you know safety and security uh, aspects that you can look at but certainly yeah the thermal imaging camera and infrared uh, kind of uh, spectrum is something that that clearly a human being could not possibly uh, learn from because you can't see it you can't have that as an input another one is that the, the 3d uh, stereographic type of camera that, that we've used now extensively which is you add the depth value into the field, and that allows you to then create safety zones in 3D, whereas a human eye, like, are you three meters away or are you two and a half meters away? It's going to be very difficult to the human eye. But because of the context of the pixels and, and the 3D nature of, of where you're looking at, you can, you can get that extra dimension and then use that extra information to infer if a stick model of a human being walking around is actually in that 3D zone or not, because you can see it, uh, it with these stereographic cameras. So another type of example where the machine vision or machine audio can have extra inputs that benefit the learning that humans would not be able to uh, to, to achieve. Yeah, this is this is useful, I think, because we're gonna we're gonna start talking about the fusion between different data sources and what kind of new capabilities emerge there. But I think it's an important takeaway for the the listeners to understand that there are some times when a human knows how to diagnose something with their human senses, and we get the idea to replicate that with a machine and pick up on a subtle audio cue or on some kind of a, a clear visual cue that a human expert would also use to to diagnose a problem. There's other times where we know that heat is happening. We know that vibration is happening, but it might not be something human senses can pick up on. And we still might want to use technology to solve the problem. So I think for me, Remy, that really opens the aperture of how many ways there are to attack the problem. It's it's much more than it sounds like the naked eye can necessarily just conjure forth. Absolutely. You know, yeah. the, the integration of, of the, all those sources of interesting data, once we've cleaned them up, of course, you know, in a reliable way, can, can yeah, definitely solve a lot of complex problems that humans may have been able to solve in some ways, but not completely. And, and the new ones clearly yeah, are adding value here to the shop floor workers, for sure. Got it. So now we can talk a little bit about the combination of the two. You know, a human being that's looking at a machine is often doing more than looking. They're looking, they're listening, they're uh, paying attention to other sources of data. Multiple streams of information have to come in for us to make decisions about the operations of something on the shop floor, maybe a vehicle somewhere. Talk a little bit about what sensor fusion sort of means, and then maybe we can talk a little bit about the combination of audio and video. 
Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, sensor fusion is, is exactly what it sounds like. It's uh, combining uh, various sensor inputs, whether it's a, a video input with a real-time telemetry input and an audio sensor that will give you the sound of what's happening in, in this environment. And you combine them in a logical fashion so that, you know, the, the sum of the three parts are, are, are actually getting you to a decision that you would not have otherwise be able to take with, you know, the individual parts. So if you look at a, a specific concrete example of this, if you look at, at a very, any, any machine really, you know, we started in, in this world for you know, more than a decade ago now on the telemetry and, and time series type of data that you acquire from, from machines. And in those telemetry and real-time signals, you can depict, you know, the onset of, of things that are, are not right, right? Sort of outlier kind of telemetry, the temperature goes a little bit high and the, the pressure goes a bit too low, but it's not obvious yet that it's, it's actually leading to a problem. But it's, it's the onset of these kind of jitters in the telemetry that we can depict there on the telemetry, but alone, you can't link that to a specific problem that will happen in in a week or in a month or whatever but if you combine that with now a change a specific change in sound right from the machine and a shift in frequency then you can isolate you know within the machine what components have these specific frequencies and now you can say oh yeah with the temperature rising a little bit and jittering and the pressure going a bit down and these these types of of shift in frequency of sound well, that combined together, now it means that my wheel will start squeaking in two days and it will go out of balance and will cause issues on the shop floor and the, you know, we'll have to repair and, and probably stop the machine. So those are the kinds of, of sensor fusion ideas. If you extend it to the video aspect with you know thermal imaging camera, of course, a problem in, in voltage or, or electricity type of signals, uh, the, the current or other power device that, that are tracked in, time, in real time, if you combine it with a thermal image that shows a spot, you know, uh, kind of area on, on the machine or inside the machine, if you place the, the sensor inside, you know, infrared cameras can be put any, anywhere uh, in, inside the guts of the machine. Well, then you get this additional advantage of seeing a thermal signature that is linked to a telemetry that says, okay, yeah, this is heating up and it's not normal. That coil should never be above 80 Fahrenheit or whatever, 120 Fahrenheit, whatever it is that that the the, the threshold is. And then you can act on and go and slow down the machine and then replace them between shift uh, before a problem occur. Got it. Okay. So some of this also seems like in order to know how to fuse different sensors, there's a lot of strategy. I wonder if you have advice for people that are tuned in. They realize that diagnostics are about more than pictures, more than sounds. It's about a combination. So let's say that point has been made. When it comes to finding the kind of high ROI opportunities to combine sensor data, on the one hand, we have how available is the data. So maybe things that are really hard to get, it's very hard to get a camera there, very hard to get a microphone there. Maybe that makes it more challenging. We also have to think about the impact. You know, is this a problem that could cost us tens of millions or is this kind of a side thing? What are the factors to consider to think about, you know, among all of our operations, where where could and should we be thinking about data fusion? Where where should we really be be considering that as a project starting point? 
Well, I mean, as usual in all AI and machine learning type of, of project, you want to start with that exactly that business use case and the business value. And we have a, a, a nice process whereby we will, you know, create a little roadmap with a, a client of all, you know, look at all the use cases and the value and how much cost roughly it will take, small, medium, large, right? You can do some characterization to prioritize yeah, your, yeah, your, yeah, your yeah. AI effort, as, as everybody has talked about on your show, I think, many times. But it's still very true today. Uh, people still need to go back to, uh, okay, let's look at our use cases and which one do we apply AI to. And on the sensor side, what's really interesting, though, is the, the sensors have become uh, uh, very much a commodity, right? So even the, the 3D stereographic camera, you have some that are very cheap these days. Like, uh, you know, we're talking about less than $1,000, sometimes less than $500. And that kind of visual aspect that you're adding on an edge device is, is now possible. Whereas like four years ago, that would not, not even be an option. Thermal imaging cameras have also gone down in price significantly, and you can get a, a pretty high quality uh, camera in, in a reasonable. Of course, you still have the very, very, very high precision thermal imaging cameras that are you know in the thirty thousand uh, range, but you have a lot of them now that are in the uh, few hundred dollar or few you know low low thousand dollar uh, range where you can you know safely use them and 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 properly calibrate them, and and you're good to go. So so I think that the sensor aspect aspect of the cost has gone down. And because we're experts in the leveraging that time series data, we've dealt with industrial sensors in the out before. So we, we, we have really good source of in, in the US and Canada where we can actually you know, uh, deploy those. So it's, it's very interesting because it's, it's becoming easier and lower cost to, to deploy additional sensors in the world right now with um, you know mesh networks and other things that you can put on top fairly next inexpensively in, in your shop floor and it, it's not going to be the huge infrastructure change that that some people may have thought it could be <laughs> in the first place got it so yeah in part you know every year there's uh, the potential that sensors and technology in general are going to get cheaper smaller better to the point where our assessment of a viable project is going to shift. I think that's very important. Obviously, cell phones have driven down the cost of really good sensors of all different kinds. And I imagine in the, yep. your heavy industry space, you guys have reaped the rewards of that, just like the folks in robotics have. So it sounds like there, there's, on, on the one hand, there's a rule of thumb, small, medium, large on the cost side. Maybe there's also a small, medium, large on the the ROI impact kind of bottom line side. Yep. Is there anything else people might want to think about when it comes to kind of ranking and, and finding the, the best opportunities for, for their business? Well, I mean, definitely those two axes are, are very critical. Now, of course, if you look at safety and security, you need to add a uh, kind of a third axis because <laughs> the, yes. the, the, you know, the, the, the cost benefit ratio are a little bit different in that case because you have a, a risk assessment of if I injure, you know, if someone gets injured on, on my shop floor, that is absolutely you know, terrible and you can never let that happen. So, so there, there is a little bit of additional kind of focus on maybe on the safety security aspect where you need to pull in some intangibles of risk assessment yeah. along the, the, the cost and, and, and yeah, revenue ratio. And for those, that, that's kind of very interesting because it opens up new opportunities for people to apply sensor fusion in, in, in areas that they couldn't make the business ROI, let's say, legitimate to go forward. But if you 
add and tack on safety and security on top, right? You, you put the infrastructure that's needed, but you tackle first the safety and security AI challenge. And then, you know, you reap the benefit of having now the infrastructure on the video side to do all sorts of new things uh, that you couldn't do before, uh, including adding some thermal imaging points and feeds along the, you know, 2D or 3D uh, cameras that that you've deployed, and now you have you know amazing new capabilities based on uh, saving you know people's lives or or at least not not getting them injured. And with the moving parts that are you know on the shop floors, you now have moving robots all around. You have moving equipment that's you know semi-automated or fully automated. So there there are new hazards on the shop floors that were not there uh, as much, uh, certainly not as pervasive like ten years ago. So those also need to be safeguarded against the uh, moving things, and those are in- ah, interesting new use cases. Got it. Okay, worthwhile to think about. So I guess for the listeners, some good ideas about vision and audio, sometimes in a non-intuitive sense, kind of beyond human senses and also the combination of those two. And I like the idea of, can we have a, you know, small, medium, large, green, yellow, red on cost, on potential bottom line impact and on potential impact for safety, which might by itself be enough for a company want to implement AI because safety is obviously such a big deal in the heavy industry space with robotics. So hopefully those are good rules of thumb for the people that are tuned in. And Remy, I know that's all we have for time, but thank you so much as always for being able to join us on the show. Thank you, Dan. Always great to uh, spend some time with you. So that's all for this episode of the AI and Business Podcast. A big thank you to Remy for joining us and thank you to you, our listener, for tuning in all the way through to the end of this episode. My goal on the AI and Business Podcast is always to coax out those insights that will help our audience think about where to apply AI, find a new place to be able to drive value in their own business. Even if we're talking about an industry that you don't work in, to be able to see how these technologies work and where they're adding value, hopefully opens that possibility space. And whether you're working in an enterprise, you need to find your own projects, or whether you're working with clients as a consultant, you need to identify improvement opportunities for them. I hope today's episode was interesting. I really liked the idea of starting with human intuition, but then going beyond with other technologies. I appreciate Remy breaking into that. As I mentioned before, this episode was brought to you by Maya HTT. If you're interested in reaching Emerge's global executive audience, then you can learn more about our sponsored content and demand generation services at emerj.com slash ad1. That's emerj.com slash ad, like advertise, and then the number one, emerj.com slash ad one and learn more about our Emerge Media Services and how we work with AI product and service providers. That's all for this episode. Again, thanks so much for tuning in. I look forward to catching you in the next one here on the AI and Business Podcast.